everybody. It's Keach Rainwater here on the Designated Drummer Podcast. I hope everybody's doing good, and I thought this week I would just talk a little bit about sticks, heads, and cymbals. These are things that us drummers have to spend money on, and they're not cheap, I will tell you. I think when I was first starting out and not making a bunch of money, I was making just enough to kind of get by back in the early to mid-80s. And I remember one of the biggest um, expenses I had uh, was sticks, drum heads, and cymbals, especially cymbals, because cymbals are they are made of brass, and they're heavy, and they're expensive, and they, they take a lot of expertise to produce them. Not, not to say that drum heads and sticks don't, but they're more sort of mass-produced, whereas cymbals are largely handmade. I mean, they're turned on a big lathe kind of deal. And they and brass is expensive. The material, brass, is, is very expensive. So you can only imagine the material plus the workmanship and everything that goes into cymbals. You can easily spend uh, a couple of thousand dollars on a set of cymbals. Let's say you're starting out and you have to get cymbals and you have to get a kit. A lot of drum kits are not sold... Uh, brand new kits are not sold with cymbals. They'll have hardware, but a lot of times, now some music stores may have a deal where you buy the whole kit with cymbals and all, like a, a special put together kit. But usually, you buy a set of drums, you have to buy cymbals too, separately. Because, and I think it's mostly because cymbals are such a subjective thing. They're They're very personal. The sound of your drum kit, you can... You know, let's say a rock drummer and a jazz drummer could use this pretty much the same drum heads, but you can't really say that that about cymbals. I, I've never known any jazz drummers and any sort of heavy metal drummers to use the same series of cymbals or kinds of cymbals. So I think that a lot of times when you buy a drum kit, it, they don't come with cymbals because it's such a personal choice. And when you go define what style of music that you're going to be playing, whether it's... um let's say if it's uh, sort of like indie rock or something like that, that's kind of a different cymbal setup than, say, straight-ahead jazz or hard rock um, So or country. Uh, anyway, so I will just say that uh, cymbals are a very personal choice, and they can be very expensive. Drum heads, they, are, they can be expensive. They can if you go for the high-end drum heads. And um, also, I have known some drum techs, and some drummers out on the road. And I think, I want to say it was with the drum tech with Boston. Had I heard from a friend of mine who worked with him where the the drum tech would say something like, uh, you know, when you change the drum heads, why would you change the top head and not the bottom head? Let's say of like all the toms. Why would you change the top head and not the bottom head? Well, for me personally, I don't change the bottom head that often because I don't beat on that. I don't hit on that. And his point was, you know, well, they're getting flexed and they're getting hit. Why wouldn't you change those heads too? So if you, you are the kind of very, very particular drummer that would change the top and bottom heads of an entire kit of drums, you know, that's uh, two, four, six or more tom heads that you would have to get. And it just gets complicated because sometimes the top head is different than the bottom head. I used to for a long time. I used to put Emperor, uh, uh, Remo Emperors, which are thicker, on the top, and a Diplomat, which is thinner, on the bottom. And it kind of made it more, it just resonated better or something. It just had a more delicate sound with that thinner head on the bottom. Uh, so that's just to needlessly say that um, if you change the top and the bottom heads, it's going to be some cash layout. You're going to have to spend some money. So I think as a touring drummer, I tend to just go the economical route and mostly just change the top heads. And about maybe once a year or once every, I don't know, every couple of years or so, I will change the the bottom heads too, especially if I um, change brands or something like that. Like just recently, I got a, a deal with Evans Drumheads and I'm, I just... I was so happy that I, I've had a deal before with Remo, I believe. And from what I understand, Remo and Evans are sort of under the same roof. They're this, uh, owned by the same company or something. But anyway, 
I just got an Evans deal recently, and I'm so happy. So I have not used Evans heads for a long time, but then um, I was out on the road or something about a year ago, and the music store I was at just didn't have the kind of heads I wanted, but they had Evans. They didn't have the kind of Remo heads that I wanted, so they had Evans heads. Um, so I bought a couple of Evans heads, and I just fell in love with them. I thought they sounded so great. They were really durable. They lasted a long time. So I thought, why am I not using Evans heads all the time? So I contacted them and worked out a deal and got a, a an endorsement with Evans. So I'm so happy about that. So I will say that when I got the deal with Evans, I went ahead and ordered tops and bottoms and the whole I got um, the whole layout, top and bottom. And um, I'll go through that in a minute of what kinds of what my favorite series of heads are from Evans, um, and, and from Remo too. And I'll go through that, but this is just kind of the, uh, I'm just kind of talking a little bit about the, what, are, what we're going to be talking about. Um, just kind of like a topic, uh, paragraph here. And, uh, but so the first thing I will talk about, um, in my podcast here is sticks. We'll start with that. Now, sticks are, they can be expensive. And I think that there's really, to me, there there are different kinds of woods that they use. There's, but there's three main kinds of woods, and that's hickory and oak and maple. Now, I don't think I've ever had any maple sticks before that I knew of, because the brands that I use, which are Promark, and I used to use Vic Firth a lot, um, but the Promark sticks that I've been using are oak, and they're from Japan. And uh, I will say that lately. They have been short because of shipping and stuff with COVID and all that. They were short on the oak that I like, the heavy oak. And I will tell you in a minute the reason why I like the oak sticks the best. Uh, Two reasons, actually. So they were out of oak. So they said, well, we've got hickory. And hickory is a really tough wood, tough, strong wood. It's a little bit lighter weight than the oak, but they are every bit as tough and nice and straight. And I like like the hickory that that I ordered. I ordered a, I don't know, probably... Um, they call them bricks. They come in um, bundles of, I think there's 12 pair, six pair, 12 sticks. I think it's 12 sticks and six pair of sticks in one bundle, and they call them a brick. So I think I ordered about four bricks or something like that. And um, I do tend to go through sticks a lot because I'm a hard player, and I hit the cymbals. I mount my cymbals kind of flat so that when I hit them, it's kind of hit in the middle of the stick and take a little chip out of it almost it's like hitting an edge of an axe kind of uh, now i don't run them completely flat like tommy aldrich or someone like that but uh i do tilt them a little bit but they mostly when i hit the symbols when i hit a crash symbol it's hitting on the edge of the thing and it's kind of take a little tiny chip out of the stick so i do go through sticks pretty often and i play hard which they will crack too they'll break and then i usually side them and give them away or something like that but uh i Used, I've been using the oak, uh, the uh, the Promark oak 5B nylon tip, nylon tip. And uh, now the difference between the tips, um, I was going to go through that a little bit. The tips of the sticks, it's either wood or nylon. Um, the reason I like nylon is I, I play country music, and we have a lot of ballads and a lot of slower songs that have a lot of ride cymbal in there, a lot of where the piano play, is playing or something, and it's just the cymbal, the ride cymbal. Uh, and I like the way that the plastic, the nylon tip hits the ride cymbal in the way it's sort of a little bit higher, and it kind of cuts through a little more. Whereas something like jazz or something like that, you might play with a, a wooden t- or or heavy rock or something like that, you might play with a wooden tip. Now, my problem with the wooden tip has always been that since I'm a hard player, I'll play really hard, and as I hit the tip of the stick, the more I hit it, the more it tends to chip away at it. And so pretty soon, the tip, of, and now it totally depends on the stick. Wood's very, very different. Every every single stick is different, the way the grain grows and all that, and the way uh, the way they crack and chip and things like that. Um, but the the tip of the stick the wooden tip tends to chip away really fast. Um, and I will end up with a stick that has half a tip on it and the other half is chipped away. So I really kind of went with the nylon tip for durability reasons, sound reasons and all that. Now, when you talk about sticks, there's different uh, numbers. And if everybody ever wondered what the number stands for, you know, you got like 2B, um, 5B, uh, 7A, 
and all that stuff. And uh, I will take what I have done a little research, and I know what those things mean. I didn't know for the longest time what A meant, like 7A or 5A or something like that. A actually stands for orchestra, and I have no idea why, because A and orchestra, well, they, sh- they should call it O, I, I would think. But anyway, the A stands for orchestra. So if you're playing with a 7A, it's a smaller the higher the number of the stick, the smaller diameter it is, which is strange too. You'd think that the higher number would be bigger around, but it's the opposite. So a 7A would be uh, actually be kind of small diameter-wise, and uh, the A stands for orchestra. And I think that has to do with the tip a little bit and also the weight of it and, and how the taper, the taper of how the stick tapers down from the... The, the middle part of the stick down to the tip, that taper right there. Does it does it gradually go down or does it stay thick and then and then quickly taper down to the tip? So I think that might have something to do with the, whether it's an orchestra or not. Okay, so B stands for band. So if you have a 5B, which I play, that stands for band. And I think it means like dance band. I think when you look up some of the old information, it'll say dance band. You don't really say that much anymore, but... But that was kind of a thing back in the day, dance band, because you would play clubs and you would play, and then dance music had to be a little, you hit a little bit harder. So I think that the B uh, stands for band, which means that the stick is a little, I think it's a little fatter throughout, and it and it tapers down a little more. Like I was saying, orchestra kind of tapers down slower from the middle of the stick to the tip, and I think B tends to stay thick all the way through and gives it a little more weight for playing dance music. And uh, so, if you notice that at the end of a of a, a, a stick title like seven A um, N, the N stands for nylon, so it means it's got a nylon tip. So the kind I have been using forever are are uh, Promark five B nylon oak, and I and I believe that I can't pronounce it. It's shush. Something was S H Shiraki Oak, or I can't pronounce how it is. It's a Japanese name, and it's from they're from Japan. But they're basically five B nylon Promark Oak sticks. And the, I was going to tell you why that uh, I told you earlier. I was going to tell you why I like the oak the best, and for two reasons. One is they're heavier, and when I play the side stick, when I play a cross stick. And I have a certain technique of doing that to where I take the stick in my hand, I lay it down on the, the on the snare, and I have a little place marked on there that's like the sweet spot. I put the butt of the stick down on the head very quietly, and then I drop the stick onto the rim and hold it with the side of my hand so it doesn't bounce. And that letting go of the stick action actually gives the the sound uh, more resonance. It lets the drum kind of sort of resonate a little bit like ring I mean, when I say ring I don't mean it's going to go dong like that I just mean that when I hit it it's going to resonate a little bit it's going to kind of make a louder sound and one of the problems with when you're playing country music when you go to side stick I've seen guys do things like put a little wood one of those plastic or wood blocks up there and they'll hit that instead of a stick because they can put a mic on it or whatever um, I try to keep as little a mics microphones on the drum kit as possible and it helps the sound man out a little bit. And so I noticed that since I'm a hard hitter on the snare, I tend to hit that snare really hard. That when I go to the stick, if I don't hit that hard too, the sound man is going to have a little bit of a problem dif- differentiating between the stick sound and the snare sound. It's going to get a really quiet stick sound. He has to ride the fader up on the board. Uh, and then when I go to hit the, the, uh, the snare, it's going to be really loud. So I try to make the stick as loud as I can get it to where it's more of an even across the board sound, if that makes sense to you. So the stick nice and loud and the snare nice and loud. So it um, it just cuts through the system, the PA system a little bit better. And with that oak, it's heavier, so it has that drop to it. And um, I don't have to work as hard to get that sound. And they're more durable too. The oak are tougher and more durable. Now, ever since I have been playing Hickory this last year, since they were out of the oak, um, I have enjoyed the hickory. It doesn't seem, they do feel a little bit lighter, but they don't seem that big of a deal. It's not really that big of a deal. I can just, I can still get a good stick sound out of it. And the hickory is strong enough and durable enough that it's not, it's not tearing up my sticks too bad at all. I'm kind of enjoying them. 
Uh, and um, so that's the reason I like the oak sticks. And But the hickories are fine. The hickories are fine and get that side stick sound. And I'm real happy with that. So the major brands of sticks that are out there, this is in my opinion, are Vic Firth, Promark, Vader. There's a company called Vader that makes really good sticks. And Zildjian, the, the symbol company, actually has their own line of sticks too. And uh, a good question would be, how come I don't order sticks from Zildjian when I get symbols from Zildjian? And I, I just because probably I've been using those nylon, 5B nylon oak Japanese oak sticks for so long that I've really kind of settled into those, and I really like those a lot. So I'll go the extra mile and pay for those. And, of course, now that I have my Evans deal, they own Promark, too. So uh, I get my I get a really good discount on all my sticks that I get now. When they have the oak ones back, I'll order some more oak, but right now I'm just using the hickory ones because that's all they had because of the shipping problem with the COVID and all that. But um, yeah, so prices for sticks. Um, the normally they're about thirty dollars for four pairs, so for eight sticks at thirty bucks, and I think that has almost been the same for years and years. I remember back in the day when I before we had a record deal or anything, and I was, you know, I wasn't making a lot of money. No, none of us did. We we were we had to buy our own instruments and do all the our maintenance ourselves and fix everything. And uh, I was buying my own sticks, of course, and they were about, I remember paying about 8 to $9 a pair for those sticks. And so it really hasn't changed much. I think they're about the same as they were. Um, so I think right now you can get a pair of Vic Firth sticks for about $7 a pair. And uh, that's basically American Classic Hickory. Those are those types. They're about 7 bucks a pair. You can get them from, um, I believe, Sweetwater or something like that. But I will talk about another stick. Now that I'm on the subject of sticks, that is one of my favorite sticks. Now, when we're out on the road, sometimes we get asked to do an acoustic show. And years ago, it used to be where we would sort of sit on stools up front, and I played, I can't remember, it was like a tambour, a headed tambourine or something, and I used a brush or something like that. And then that just gave way to like a snare drum uh, with brushes. And, and the brushes I like to use are these um, plastic, they're white plastic brushes with a wooden handle on it. And I really like that because I can flip the stick around as I'm playing and hit the rim of the, since I'm not, you know, when I'm using, back when I used to use brushes for acoustic shows, I couldn't get the side stick sound because I'm holding a brush, not a stick. So I could flip the stick around and they had wooden handles and I could hit the rim and do like the, what would be sort of the hi-hat, you know, the, the eighth notes uh, with the, just, just kind of ticking on the snare a little bit, just kind of on my right hand and the left hand, I would flip the stick around and I would hit the rim and it kind of gave that feeling of a hi-hat on a, and a side stick. And then I could flip the stick back around when I needed to go with the, you know, pop the snare to, for the snare sound. And I did that for the longest time. No kick drum, just that and a tambourine hanging off the side of the drum. And I could smack the tambourine on two and four. Um, and that kind of gave that feeling of like a, a, a drummer and a percussionist playing together. Kind of real cool. And uh, then a few years of doing that, then I think Michael or somebody had said something to me like, it'd be great if you had a little kick drum. And so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll go put together like a more of a sort of a cocktail kit type thing. So I went to the drum store and I found the perfect little, actually 16-inch kick drum. I've never seen a 16-inch kick drum. I've seen 18s before, but never I'd never seen a 16-inch kick drum before. And it was mounted up high on a little stand to where it would raise up to where the beater of the, the kick drum beater would hit. Because if you tried to just put a regular kick drum beater on a 16-inch bass drum, you'd be hitting like sort of the top of the drum, you know, that, because they don't go that high. So this was on a special rig that, that sat up a little bit higher and you could put your kick drum, you could mount your kick drum to this rig and then the middle, it would, it would hit in the middle of that drum. Really cool. And it sounded really gutsy, really cool. So I, I bought it. And so right now my acoustic kit, now I'm getting to, I'm getting to this type of stick that I use. And this is just a long way of telling you this. Um, but so I got this cocktail kit 
And I just took my regular snare, put it on a tall snare stand. I had to modify the snare stand. I'd make a cymbal stand into a snare stand because we sit on these stools that are real high, like bar stools. And you can't get a snare stand to go up really all that high to where it's like up high enough to sit in a bar stool. You'd be reaching way down low. So I modified my own snare stand, made a real tall snare stand, put um, uh, my regular hi-hat and hi-hat stand and then uh, just a floor tom. This co- cocktail kit that I got came with a 16, 16-inch, 16 really nice, deep little floor tom. 16-inch floor tom. Really cool. And it, I think our sound man at the time, he told me that it was his favorite drum of any drum kit that he'd heard, especially any drum kit that I had, like from my live kit to the, stu- to the studio kit to the uh, cocktail kit. It, it said it was the best drum he had ever heard because it's 16-inch tom, and it was really deep, like a floor tom. Something about that combination he really liked. So I love that thing. I love that. So, but there's no other tom. It's just the snare drum, the floor tom, hi-hat, and also got a crash ride. And I'll talk about the crash ride here in a little bit when I t- talk about cymbals. I'll go back to this crash ride. But a crash ride is basically a ride cymbal and a crash at the same time. It's a really thin ride cymbal that you can crash or play as a ride cymbal. And I'll talk about that a little later. But anyway, that's what my kit consists of. Now, if I played my regular oak sticks on that for an acoustic show. Now, remember, it's an acoustic show, so everybody's playing like acoustic guitars. Dean plays his piano. And it everything is kind of a little bit quieter and a little bit more subdued. So I needed something... Not brushes, but I needed something to play these songs with. It was a little lighter. Well, it turns out that Paul Lyme had, it doesn't anymore, I think they're discontinued, but he had a series of sticks that he had that he had implemented. I don't know what the right word is. He commissioned from Vic Firth. They made this Paul Lyme signature series stick, and it was basically a seven, no, it was an eight. So you know how I remember I told you there's like 2B, 5B, there's 7A or 7B, and then this was an 8, and I believe it was a B, an 8B, because it was a band stick. It was for playing in the studio and stuff like that, and it was uh, very, very thin, and the tip was nylon. had a little nylon tip, and I I got them just because they had Paul Lyme's name on there. You know, and I just thought, well, anything that Paul plays with, I, I would really love to try out. So I bought a pair of those. And I decided uh, we had an acoustic show coming up, so I thought, well, instead of playing these big heavy oak sticks, I'll just play these Paul Lime sticks that I bought. And I absolutely loved them for an acoustic show. But now, if I tried to play them on a regular show, I would just beat them. I'd beat them up and then tear them up. But they're um, really nice for acoustic shows. They're they're softer. They I can play softer, and I can, and I don't feel like I'm overpowering anything. But I really love those those Paul Lime sticks. They are discontinued, but I bought, when I heard that they were discontinuing them, I bought every pair that I could from the store. I think there was like six or seven pair left, and I bought them all, and I still have them. I don't tear those up like I tear up the other ones, so they're super precious to me right now. So anytime we do an acoustic show, I have a couple of pairs of those in there, and I stow away the other pairs at home. So that's my uh, Paul Lime stick story, and, um, you know, brushes... There's different kinds of brushes, too. There's the metal brushes, which are fine, but you can't flip the brush around and hit the rim with it, you know, because that's rubber. It's like a sort of a rubber handle. And so that's why I like the, the wooden stick handle, so I can flip it around, hit the, the edge of the rim of the drum, just tap it, and it gets a nice little sound. And I really like that on acoustic shows. Okay, moving on. We're going to talk a little bit about drum heads. So remember I told you that really the two main... There's other companies that make drum heads, but the two main companies are Remo and Evans. And what I learned when I got my Evans deal is that Remo and Evans, they're owned by the same company and Promark. So, but I had fallen in love with this one kick drum head called an EMAD 2. EMAD. And I'm not sure what that stands for, the EMAD, but EMAD 2. And I tried it on the kick drum and oh my God, it just had the right combination of toughness of just point like when you hit it it has that nice that nice thud to it and just that low end i don't know there's something about it. now the the e-man 2 has a kind of a a little plastic um i don't know what you would call it like a little um receptacle that goes all the way around the outside rim and i believe that's on the beater side on the beater side so facing you and then there's a little piece of foam that goes inside you could take this out or leave it in 
I left it in. I taped it in there. So the little piece of foam just touches the outside of the, the head so it keeps it from resonating too much. And you could take that out if you wanted to. And I just love the way it sounded with the foam in. So that is a really good head. And um, they uh, the type of uh, Evans heads that I like on the Toms are called the G G2. I like the G2 Clear on the Toms. Um, those are really great. Those have a nice, they're durable. I can hit them. They don't take dents too much. And uh, I think a lot like the EMAD kick drum head, they, they are very tough. And um, you should give those a try. I think you would not be disappointed. Some um, Evans G2 Clear for the toms. And like I said, for the kick drum, the EMAD 2 is my favorite. And there is a snare head that I really love. And um, there was a girl singer that I forgive me but I don't remember her name she was watching our band she was in the opening act and she was standing behind on on side stage kind of behind the drums over there and watching and she was videoing our show and I had this uh, snare head on called a power center reverse dot from Evans power center reverse dot and I think they call that reverse dot because the dot that 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 makes it more durable is instead of on the top where you hit it, it's underneath on the bottom of the head. And uh, that um, I can't really figure out why they do that, just so that the top can be clean. And if you're doing brushes or something like that, it's just a clean all the way across the top. The white, it's a white coated snare head, snare top snare head. Anyway, so she was back there videoing on her phone and posting something on Instagram. And I happened to see, I think she tagged me on Instagram or something. And we were playing, I think, front porch or something like that. And she said, she said, uh, like hanging out backstage watching Lone Star. And she went and she commented, she goes, that snare, like <laughs> as if to say, like, check out that snare sound. Like, I thought that was really cool. That was nice of her to recognize something as obscure as just like the snare sound, the snare. And that wasn't even out front. That was just like behind, just on side stage, you know. But um, that is one of the reasons why that is actually my favorite snare head is because I was getting compliments of like, man, that thing just sounds so good. And, and the durability, I think I, I think I would go about 10 shows with a snare head and Tom's. I would probably go that far on those Evans heads because they're so durable. It's really great. And, uh, now what I used to use is Remo. I used to use Remo heads and I loved Remo for the longest time. I started out in the, late 70s, early 80s, when I was first starting out, I liked the black, uh, they're called the uh, pinstripe. And I just, I think my drum teacher at the time had a pinstripe, had pinstripes on his uh, kit, and I just fell in love with the sound of them. I thought the way he had them tuned and everything, I said, okay, well, I'll use those too. So I used them for years and years. And at that time, they were the most popular and most available drum head out there. And so the problem with availability of drums if you like some kind of strange uh odd type of drum head chances are when you this has been my experience when you go to buy a whole set of heads of drum head of tom heads say you have like a 10 inch and a 12 inch and a 14 inch and a 16 inch when you go to the music store to buy those drum heads you might you might get lucky and get all all of the heads in the same one like say pinstripe or whatever or emperor you may get them all and you may not they may say oh you know what we have the 10 but we don't have the 12 we're out of the 12 but we have the 14s and so you're left with sort of an odd either having to leave the old head on or use a different brand or a different uh, series of heads and that makes the sound kind of a little bit weird so the way i was taught is that for the toms to be at least have all the same type of head on there, you know, mostly, mostly, I will say. There are some different cases where sort of a big floor tom might need a different type of head, but they should be pretty much the same. So a lot of times, if you're trying to go with a a head that's not that popular, the chances are they may not have it. But usually the more popular brands, they are the, are the types like the pinstripes at the time, they would be overstocked on those. They would just stock those because those are their biggest seller. So I would always, I was always able to go in and buy all the heads I needed, and they would always have them. And I did the pinstripes for a long time, and then I started um, noticing. Well, 
I started playing a lot more, and I needed something more durable. And they had recommended uh, Emperor. Emperor is a double-coated head. It has two coats. If you if you were to cut it apart, you would notice that there's two layers. Whereas a pinstripe, pinstripe did have two layers, but they were thinner, and an Emperor had a little bit more durability to it. And uh, they would go down from Emperor down to an Ambassador. A uh, clear Ambassador was a little bit thinner. And then a diplomat, which I believe diplomats were just one layer. I think ambassadors and diplomats are one layer, single layer drums. And I would use the diplomat on the bottom, and I would uh, use the emperor for the top. And I always always get a good sound from that. So, you know, over the years I used emperor clears forever and ever and ever. And uh, and to solve the problem of them being sort of out of those things or something is that I would buy them in bulk. I would, I would order them from the music store, from wherever, uh, from Remo. I would just order them direct from them. And I would order like 10 of each one when I had the money to do it. You know, when I, when we started making records and things like that, I started stocking up on them so I could just go and pull from my own stock. And if I started to get low, I would just order a bunch more. So I always had my own sort of, stock of, of heads so that they would always be consistent so anyway uh yeah emperors that was my favorite and then they had a snare head or i used to use they still have it i'm i used a snare head from remo called a cs which can, stood for control sound and that is pretty much the same thing as what i was talking about earlier uh for the snare the power center reverse dot for the evans the cs is the basically the same for Remo, it's kind of the same style of drum uh, head. It has the the dot is underneath. It's glued on underneath the drum so that you have the top of the snare is completely smooth across the top. And I used CS Control Sound for the longest time. I think I had a producer, uh, Justin Niebank. He told me to try a CS. That was his favorite snare head. And he's also an engineer too. So that meant a lot to me. So I went and tried it and I loved it. I used those for a long time in the studio and live. But, um, yeah, so moving on, uh, that's enough about heads. Well, oh, I will say one more thing. There's one more little thing I wanted to talk about heads is that back in the day when I did not make a lot of money and I was trying to make my meager dollar stretch as far as I could, if I would have a drum that had a, I would be playing, and I did a lot of crazy things back in the 80s. Like I stood up on my drum stool and played, uh, hit the drum on my drum solo. I would stand up on the drum stool and hit down on the drums. And that caused this weird angle of where I would hit, and it would cause a dent to form in the head. And I would, after the show or whatever, I would look, and there would be a couple of dents in there. Well, someone told me that the way you could get rid of a dent in a drum head is take a lighter or a match, light a match, and just hold the flame kind of close to the dent and, and until not to burn the drum, but just to add some heat to it to where it would pull that dent out and it would straighten out that dent. And it worked. It did work, but with a caveat. It did work, but it also made the drum head more brittle. And so I noticed that when I did that, especially if it was like in the middle of the drum somewhere, and I did that little trick with the match and pulled the, the little dent out and it would flatten it again, I would notice it wouldn't be much longer before it would crack right there. There would be a little crack. And then that was the beginning of the end for that head then uh, they would just keep cracking, and it would just sound terrible. And then I would have to throw it away. So it was almost, in that way, it's almost better just to leave it dented, leave the dent in. So ever since then, I started, when I would get a dent in the head, I would just leave the dent in there. But uh, that was a little trick of the trade that I learned a long time ago. But I learned the hard way that that's really not what you need to do because it would cause them to, you would have a drum head that would crack. So moving on to cymbals now. Cymbals, like I was saying, are very, very expensive. And there are three main – now, if you're any, a drummer that's been around, this is information you already know. But this is kind of more aimed for people that are just starting out um, and just reconfirming the probably what you already know. But I will just state that because I'm talking about cymbals. So Zildjian is the main one that I use. I have been a Zildjian endorser for 22 years now, uh, and I love them. But the other brand is Sabian and Peisty. That's how you – that's how you pronounce it, Peisty. Um, so the reason I chose Zildjian a long time ago is because those were just the symbols that I knew about when I was growing up in high school. Everybody had them. I didn't even know there was another brand. Um, Sabian came out, I want to say, in the late 70s or early 80s. I'm not sure. It may 
you may be able to correct me on that, but I had never heard of Sabian cymbals until the Kim Mitchell album came out, which um, the um, his drummer, Paul DeLong, was one of my guests on my, uh, a few podcasts ago last summer. And he was talking about that Sabian cymbal, that ride cymbal where he hits the cup of the cymbal for might as well go for a soda. And that's the first time I'd ever heard of Sabian cymbals was in like 84, 84, 85. Uh, before that, everything was Zildjian. And so I just thought they, I just wanted that classic sound. And I really loved Zildjian cymbals. So I contacted them in the year 2000. And we were, you know, we had amazed and we were just, we were, we were in our heyday, you know, and we were deserving of, I thought I was deserving of a endorsement, a symbol endorsement. So I didn't have to, even though I didn't need, and that's kind of the way it always goes. You know, when you, you, you get these endorsements and you get free stuff when you usually don't need it, right? Because you've got plenty of money and it's, it's when you really need it is when you're starving and when you don't have the money and all that, but you know, you can't get it because nobody knows who you are and the company's not going to endorse somebody that they don't know who you are. You know, they're not going to give you free stuff. So, uh, I reached out to them and I got a Zildjian deal and they've been so good to me throughout the years and amazing to me. Every time I crack a cymbal, I package it up. Well, I wait till I get about six or seven of them or something like that. I package them up and I send them in to, back to Zildjian and they just ask me what I want in return. And, you know, for every, a ride cymbal for a ride cymbal, a crash cymbal for a crash cymbal, and a hi-hat for a hi-hat. And... Uh, they, I just tell them if I want to try something different, I'll tell them, I'll just write down what I want. I'll look on their website and see if they have anything new coming out or anything like that. And I'll order new ones and they'll ship them to me. And even if I'm out on the road and they'll say, you know, we'll overnight them to you, to this hotel address or whatever, if you need. They've been so good to me. And two years ago, they sent me, I got a letter and I got a package in the mail from them, a letter size envelope. And it was a, it was a plaque, a paper plaque that says, to commemorate 20 years as a Zildjian artist to Keach Rainwater. And I thought, that's so cool. They're commemorating me. They're giving me a plaque for being a Zildjian uh, endorser. I should give them a plaque. They're the ones that have been giving me free symbols for all these years. And and uh, I just can't say enough good things about Zildjian. They're, they've been really, really good to me. Super people. Um, so I used to use Sabian symbols back uh, in the 80s when I would just try them out and stuff like that. They were okay. They sounded good, but I always somehow went back to Zildjian. Peisty cymbals, I don't think I've ever... I've only had one Peisty cymbal, and I bought it used. Uh, it came with a kit that I bought. I bought a drum set back in the 80s somewhere. Somebody was selling a drum set, and it had cymbals, too, with it used. And so I had a Peisty cymbal, and I liked it okay. But I, do, I did notice that Paul Lime, when he... I don't know if he's endorsed or not, but when Paul Lime plays in the studio and all that, he has all Peisty cymbals, and they sound great. I mean, Paul Lyme, you know, that's pretty awesome. He plays on hit songs all the time, played on nothing but hit songs, and they all have Peisty cymbals. So um, nothing against Peisty at all. They sound great. I just don't have a lot of experience in playing Peisty cymbals, um, but they sound just as good as Zildjian, I would say, you know, or Sabian. It's just a matter of choice, really, you know. And each company... They do have their own different kinds of symbols that they experiment with, but basically they all kind of have the same uh, series of symbols. You know, they have ride symbols, they have ping rides, they have dry rides, they have darker sounding symbols, and they have uh, they have China symbols, which a China, you know what a China symbol is, right? It's like that, uh, best way I can describe this sound is to go like that. It kind of has a real uh, wispy sound to it, and... Um, you hear that a lot in some records. They'll use that. That especially Steve Miller, the Steve Miller band, has um, the uh, Gary Malabar uses a lot of those. Um, he was the first I ever heard using a uh, using one of those one of those China symbols, and we used to call it a Pang symbol too. Some people call it a Pang symbol, but it's actually called a China China boy or a China something like that. Anyway, he was one of the first drummers to use it on a record that I'd ever heard. Cool sound, very cool sound. Um, so back in the day, like when I was telling you that I was didn't have a lot of money, and when something would break or start to wear out, I had little tricks of the trade that I learned how to do when something happened. And one of them was when a cymbal would crack. Cymbals are really expensive. They're hundreds of dollars, hundreds of dollars. So when you crack a cymbal, you don't 
well, back in the day when you'd have the money, you didn't just go replace it immediately. You played it for a little while, and you'd hear it start to rub a little bit. You know that crack? You could hear that crack in there. It didn't ring the way it used to. So someone told me one time, they said, well, take a, some, take a drill, find out where the end of the crack is, follow the crack, you know, get a magnifying glass or something and find out where the, the crack is in the symbol and find out where the end of the crack is. Drill a hole in the symbol right where the end of that crack is, and that will stop the crack from going. It'll stop it from cracking. If you don't, it'll just keep cracking further and further and further, whether it's cracking in from the outside to the in side or if it's cracking along the groove lines it'll still it'll continue to crack and if you drill a hole and stop it that will stop the crack from happening and then you still have the problem of the crack itself is causing the the sides to rub together so then i would take 10 snips and just very carefully trim right along the inside of that crack to where they weren't touching anymore the two sides of the crack weren't weren't touching and that would make the symbol sound good again until you're playing it and then it starts to crack somewhere else or the, or the crack will just try and make its way through that drill hole where you drilled and it'll try to continue. It's just like, it's just inevitable. They're going to keep cracking, but at least it bought you some time. And then after a while, I remember I had a pang symbol, I mean a China symbol that got a little crack and I cut it and it cracked a little more and I cut it some more and it cracked a little more and I cut, I kept cutting it and cutting it and cutting it to where, cause it already sounded kind of weird anyway. It was like, Pah. so it, I kept cutting it and cutting it and cutting it until finally it was so lopsided that I could only mount it one way so the weight of it would fall towards me, you know, and that was the only way I could mount it. It was, you know, so heavy to one side because I'd cut apart one side so much that it was it would just lean to one side. So I eventually got rid of that symbol and bought a new one, but uh, that lasted for a while. But uh, that is one little trick that you can do if you do get a crack in a symbol and you can drill it out, you know. And another thing I want to say about symbols is Zildjian has a series called K. And I used to think, this is, I, I don't know if this was a misnomer on my part or misunderstanding on my part or if this, maybe they've changed over the years. But back in the day, K symbols used to be very, very dark sounding. And for the kind of music I play, which is country, just the darker symbols just didn't, they didn't. They weren't the sound I was looking for, so I never bought K's before. And then over the years, it seems like K's have gotten a lot better. So I was listening to some K's that another drummer was playing, and they sounded amazing. I mean, they sounded like better than the ones I was using before, the which were A symbols, I believe they were. Um, I can't remember the exact brand I was using, uh, the exact uh, model I was using of A symbols, but the, I think they were, um, oh, I'll think of it in a minute, but they were, they were brighter sounding symbols. And, uh, I thought the K's were too dark at the time, but then I heard this other drummer playing these K's and they sounded great. I think I sat in with them or something and I'd love the sound of them, the hi-hats and the whole bit. So I bought, so I, I didn't buy it ordered i should say from zildjian a couple of k's and i love the sound of the k's now i love them they're not dark they, they're darker but they have a sweet top end and a nice a nice uh roundness to them and i really do think they sound great and i think i probably have more k's now in this uh, in my studio kit and um and when i play live than i ever had before because i really love the sound of them now, I'm going to move on to talk about hi-hats a little bit. Hi-hats, I when I first started out, one of the first things, well, the first symbol I ever bought when I was in high school was a crash ride, and I was going to talk about the crash ride here in a little bit, but I'll talk about that in a minute. Right now, I'm on hi-hats. It was uh, I was working a little job, and I had a little bit of money in high school, and so I could buy symbols now, which was totally awesome. Um, so I saved up, I think it was about $150, and I bought a set of quick beat hi-hats. And I thought they were so great sounding. If the bottom symbol, the bottom of the hi-hat, had the holes drilled in it to let the air out. So when you when you put mash down with your foot, it kind of let the air out a little bit. And it, they chinked a little better. I thought that was so cool. And also the bottom was really, really thick. Really, really thick. And almost flat. Like the quick beats didn't have a cup on the bottom symbol. It was flat. And it just sat flat on there. I love that. 
and that was my first set of 14-inch quick beat. And then after a while, the quick beat top, which was a little bit thicker um, than other than say the new beats, there was another brand called New Beat that those were a little bit thinner top, but still had the same thick bottom. So I went and I bought a New Beat top because I only cracked the top hi hat symbol, so I didn't need to buy a whole thing. The bottom symbol was still great of the new of the Quick Beat, so I put a New Beat top on a Quick Beat bottom. That was my sound for years and years when I was with Canyon and all that. New beat top, quick beat bottom. And that was like, I love that sound. And then over the years, I tried something different, something I'd seen in a concert somewhere. A drummer had a set. Oh, I know what it was. I went to set up my drums at this studio in Nashville, and I was I walked in, and they said, oh, you just missed Kenny Aronoff had just left, and I was like, dadgummit, I wanted to meet him. So I didn't get a chance to meet him, but they said he was just playing with Jake Owen in the studio doing the session, and they're just wrapping up, and they said, you can set your drums up here in a little bit. I think the Cardish people are going to come and take Kenny's drums down here in a minute, and you can set yours up. And there was just like, you know, there was like shrapnel and all kinds of stick, you know, sawdust and stuff, because he's a hard player, man. And uh, it was cool to see, like, where he had just been. And I noticed that on his kit was a set of 15-inch hi-hats. And I thought, that was so cool. So the next time I ordered cymbals from Zildjian, I said, hey, can I try a set of those 15-inch hi-hats? And I think they're the new beats or whatever they are. I believe that's what they are, new beat 15-inch hi-hats. And so I ordered a pair, and I fell totally in love with those. They sound so good. When you open that hi-hat, that nice lower... Um, warmer sound when you open the hi-hat and it's they still sound nice and crisp when when you have them closed and you're hitting them with a stick a nylon tip stick so I fell in love with the 15 inch hi-hats I just that was my new jam with the 15 inch hi-hats I love them and they're very versatile and um, when you chink them together with your foot they just sound really good I just couldn't I couldn't tell you enough good things about 15 inch hi-hats you should try them sometime uh, my next symbol I'm going to talk about is that I really like from Zildjian is the EFX, the EFX symbol. And that's the one, when you look at it, it's a crash symbol, and it has these big holes cut it all across it. Some of them are shaped kind of oval or oblong holes, kind of pill-shaped, and some are round. And it's just a whole series of holes all the way across the top. When you hit it, it has a really dark, warm, sound, moody sound to it. So if it's a song where you're just in the intro or something like that, and you're just doing this, you don't want a big, you just want a, just a nice, little kind of moody sound. It's a great thing to hit because you don't have to hit it very hard to get a cool sound out of it. And uh, I bought one of those and I loved it. Now I have uh, two or three of them. I have one in the studio kit and one that I play live. And I love the sound of that thing. It's just so subtle and nice and quiet, almost quiet. If you can imagine a crash cymbal being quiet, but, um, Anyway, that's one of my favorite ones. Now, I will talk about the ride symbol now, the, the crash ride. The very first symbol I ever bought when I was in high school was a crash ride. I thought that was the coolest thing because I couldn't decide whether I wanted to buy a crash symbol or a ride symbol. And it was I had about $150 to $200 to spend, and I wanted to buy a new I needed a I really needed both. I needed a crash symbol and a ride symbol. But I saw this one that said crash ride, and I thought, okay, well, that's sort of both, you know. So I bought it, and I really liked that thing, and I used it. I think I can't remember if I used it more as a, I think I used it more as a crash symbol than a ride symbol. Eventually, when I did get a good ride symbol, a thicker, bigger ride symbol, I think this was like an 18-inch, 18-inch crash ride, and I really loved that thing. It was my first one that I ever bought. So when it came time to make, um, you know, cut to like decades later, when it came time to make this acoustic kit I was talking about this cocktail kit for our acoustic show where we're going to have like a kick drum and a floor tom and a snare and a hi-hat and a a crash ride came to mind so I thought okay I need something that I can crash when I want to do a crash and I don't want a whole bunch of cymbals up there it's just a very small kit but I want something that I can play like a ride and I think before I bought that crash ride I ordered that crash ride I was just using a a crash symbol and I was using it like a ride but I would also crash in it but it didn't have the characteristics of a ride symbol so I went ahead and ordered a crash ride a a brand new one and I love that thing it's really great I think it's a 20 inch crash ride from Zildjian 
And when we do acoustic shows, I love that thing. And that in conjunction with those Paul Lime sticks I was telling you about, those seven, I believe they're seven Bs, seven B nylon sticks uh, that Paul Lime, because it doesn't say it on there. It doesn't, it just says Paul Lime Signature Series. But I looked them up and I believe they are eight, no, they're eight, eight B nylon. I believe that's what they are, eight, eight B nylon. Sounds so great with that crash ride symbol. And um, I really love that thing, the cup of the symbol and all that. And just the sound, just the overall sound of that thing. It's so versatile and so great for these acoustic shows that we do. And uh, so anyway, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about also a type of symbol that Zildjian has is, is a hybrid, hybrid symbol. And that has become one of my new favorites. So back in the day, they started making symbols that were cast symbols, um, hand-hammered symbols. They were cast, and then some of them were turned, like on a lathe, with the rings in them. And those, those, what you could differentiate between those two styles of symbols. One was a cast symbol that's hand-hammered, and it's sort of just all one thick piece of metal, but hand-hammered to give it that sound. And some of them were turned, like in a lathe. Well, a hybrid is sort of both. It has the turned part with the rings, the little groove rings, all the way from the middle to the outside to the, to the edge. And then from the middle inward towards the cup is all cast. And I don't, I think the way they do that is they start out with a cast symbol and they put it up on the, the lathe and they start turning at, from the middle to the end or something like that. But it has a unique sound to it. And I have really grown to love that sound. I can't describe the sound to you. It just has a a beefier, more musical sound, like a studio sound. And I don't know what that is, but I really like the the hybrid crashes. Um, and and I've, my ride cymbal is also a hybrid. It's a hybrid ride, too, which sounds good on the cup of the cymbal. When you play the cup of the cymbal, that's the cast part. It's just like it doesn't have any rings on it, so it's just like got a good, nice, strong sound to it. And then when you play it towards the outside where those rings are, it just has that nice, that nice um classic Zildjian ride cymbal sound, and I really love it. Well, that's pretty much it for this podcast. We've talked about sticks, heads, and cymbals, probably more information that you ever wanted to know about all this stuff, but those are my experiences and my findings over the years, and I hope that you uh, go out and get your drums and you get your cymbals and make good decisions and play them and play them well and form your own opinions of what you like and the kind of drum heads that you like and try and experiment. This is just strictly my opinion of the ones that I have been fortunate enough to use over the years and the reason why I like them. And who knows, maybe in five or ten years I'll be using some other different kind of Evans head or Zildjian symbol or something like that. I may change my style a little bit. Well, I don't think I'll change my style, but I think I'll, I, I might change the uh, the series of, of uh, sticks or the series of heads or the series of symbols that I use just to try something different but um, it's a pleasure talking to you guys and um, I hope that you join me on my next podcast and uh, I hope everybody's staying safe and happy out there practice hard and go out and just make some good rhythms have a good time see you next time bye